Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Greetings, greetings, hallelujah, praise the Lord, loving on Jesus Christ. Today is show day, Thursday is show day, and it's like one of my favorite days of the week. And the only reason that I say one of is because I don't want to knock out Sunday because, well, Sunday's God's day. But I appreciate it. And, you know, today as I was coming in, I thought, first of all, can we talk about this rain? Are we glad we're getting good rain? We're not getting snow. We're not getting ice. We're getting good rain. So I want to welcome you. Before we get started, go and tell everybody you know, text on your phone that we're on. Obviously, we start with Block Talk Radio because Block Talk Radio is the oldest child. So we always start with you. We get going with you because it is amazing. So I want to say again to Block Talk, hey, we have enjoyed it. Listen, don't forget blog talk because sometimes you cannot, um, sometimes you cannot, um, let me give you a call. You cannot, um, what do you call it? See, I'm getting stuck. You say don't forget blog talk. Don't forget blog talk. Because sometimes you're in your car and you just want to hear it again. You can hear it on blog talk radio. You get it all. There's no skips or anything. They tend to be pretty, pretty level, pretty steady. Steady. So, anyway, I'm excited about that. Next thing I'm excited about is that today is a powerful day. Today we're going to talk to apostles, women apostles, and apostolic women. You know, it's time for them to get used to us. (laughs) And I have three brand new, brandy new uh, women apostles that we're going to talk about. One of them was sitting to my left. I want to get it right. Uh, It's Apostle Sally Cheney. She was with us. Well, she's been with me for like ever 15 years. Can you believe that? And eventually, finally, we got her through all of the training, through all of the trials, tribulations, tribulations, and everything, every other nation that God could throw at you. And we got her through all of the trials and tribulations and whatever. She finished the program, and she was commissioned this past November with uh, Apostle Ashley and four others. I'm so excited uh, that we did this. I was telling one of them, I said, my goodness, after the event, I felt like I was driving, and Lord, could I, am I going to make it? And she said, you realize you pushed out six apostles? I said, I did, didn't I? All of a sudden, I still felt tired, but I was enthusiastic about it, <laughs> you know, that there was a good reason, and we've been having a great time since then. Uh, next month, we're going to have all of uh, our newly commissioned apostles on from wherever their respective places and talk about the What's Next program and talk about why, why you got in it, why they got in it, why they did what they did, and what makes the difference. We've been talking about those of us who are in Tulsa have been just marveling at the difference. Like there's a literal, physical, emotional, psycho-emotional, and ministerial difference. Before we do that, I want to give you a thank offering. I always like to take time to thank you all for being there for me and making me being there for you such a pleasant experience. I thank God for every single one of you. 
Some of you have, listen, you tune in every week, week after week, and you've been faithful and diligent in that. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been watching in my posts, uh, responders are growing. That means our numbers are growing. Last week, was it last week? Last week, we seemed to kind of broke a little piece of a record. I was excited about that. Um, talking about marriage, talking about marriage and family, talking about husbands and, and all of that. We're going to do that again because that needs to happen often um, because the devil never stops. He never stops averting God's favorite institution, second only to his church. He never stops. He never stops, so we should never stop. I think we should never, ever stop. We should continue to give you answers and new ways of thinking. People have various opinions about the doctrines that I have, you know, because I am scripturally organic, and a lot of people have never been in scripture since they've been saved. And so I'm scripturally organic. I'm speaking Bible. I'm speaking from the Word of God. And sometimes that's difficult for you to take because it's so far into the ear. And it's, it's strange to hear that God has very strong opinions about marriage. It's strange to hear that he has very strong opinions about uh, relationships. I want to continue to encourage you. So before we get into our topic and we, we, we kind of shifting and dragging our other newest apostle who's just been doing like going like gangbusters since November, I'm like, this woman doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact. <laughs> she doesn't stop. She is excited. The Lord is just blessed her. You've been hearing her a little a full bit. So I want, we'll get to her in a moment, but I'm going to give you a word that the Lord gave me. You know, in today's, today's culture, you know, the marriage has taken a beating. I, I mean, the only thing that's taking worse of a beating is um, church, Christianity. I have to say Christianity because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of devils got churches. So Christianity has taken a beating. Marriage has taken a real pummeling. And the only thing that is, is really worse than that, if I had to have one, two, and three, three would be gender. We're going to talk about gender in the future. 2019, we're going to talk about gender. We're going to talk about the trans, the untrans, the de-trans, the gender, the neuter gender, because that's what you all are doing. You're neutering yourself with the neuter gender, the spade gender. We're going to talk about that. Because, see, that practice was done on animals first. Now it was done on humans. But we'll talk about that. That's going to be fun. And we're going to keep talking about it because God's people need to hear. Now, I'm, I, I am of the persuasion that my job, Paul said, you know, we are here to cover the church of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And when, when, when things start creeping into the church, we have to address it because many times you don't know how to think. You don't know what to think. So getting back to marriage, God gave me a, a statement, you know, in order to uh, accommodate the perversion of marriage and whatever we want to call it, I want to say, and the de- God said, calls it the desanctification of marriage because it is desanctified. It's, it's commonized. And when you, when you become common, you become vulgar. And so the vulgarity is real. So, but to accommodate it, we took out the name spouse and we barely want to use husband and wife. And we'll talk about that another time too. But one of the things the Holy Spirit brought to me, Jesus said the difference between his marriage and secular marriages, because that's what it is. Secularity is marrying you. There's nothing sacred about it. It's secular. So secularity is marrying you, or you're choosing to be just um, physically cohabitating. So we got cohabitation. We got um, desanctified marriage. And then we have secular marriage. Secular means the government's got to keep your marriage alive and afloat. 
and desanctified means that the hallowed institution that the Almighty began, you don't want that. You're renouncing it. And so he doesn't have to keep that. That's why divorce goes through the roof these days, you know? But there's another reason. You all say you have a, you, um, a, a relationship. You say you have a uh, partnership and you have a companion. Not one of them achieves God's aims for marriage. Mm-hmm. I just thought you'd like to know this because God said a relationship, you know, I love the Holy Ghost. A relationship can be anything. You relate to your cleaners. You relate to your auto mechanic. You re- that's what I mean by desanctified. That, that uniqueness that you want to convey is gone, washed out in the world. The relationship. So you, because you have a business relationship, you have a partnership that applies to business or intimacy. There's no distinction, none whatsoever. You have a companion. Well, you're going to be a travel companion. You can be a, 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 a friend companion. You can be a lot of things. But to distinguish it, which is interesting, but to distinguish it, none of those words distinguish you like marriage. As a matter of fact, when, you all, when, when, when the LGBT went after this LGBTQURS, they did not go after same-sex relationships. They did not go after same-sex partnerships to show you how high marriage is and how what they really call each other is indistinct. And then they did not go after companionship, same-sex companionship. What they went after was marriage because they wanted to establish some sort of language for the, their connection with another human being that is outside the realm of business, society, social, associations, affiliates, and things like that. But the Holy Ghost said to me yesterday, and thank you, was the Lord Jesus, and he said, but marriage creates a union. It's not just a uniting. We don't unite you together. It creates a union where the, where the two become one. And that become one is not just physical. You think God would have had sense enough to know that people can connect sexually and never connect any other way but sexually. The two become one. But the way he built the female soul and the male soul, two different ways. And, and, and when a ma- the marriage, the spirit of marriage, because see, there's a spirit of marriage. We don't talk about the spirit of marriage. Y'all still loving on me? The spirit of marriage. Malachi talks about the spirit of marriage that produces a godly seed. Hallelujah. A godly seed. He said, there is a spirit of marriage that, that, that takes that, that, it, that peels away the individuality. And that doesn't happen by, by saying vows. That doesn't happen by saying vows. It's affirmed by saying vows. It's confirmed, corroborated by, um, what do you want to call it, uh, certificates or other kinds of paper. But the spirit of marriage is a different spirit. And you can only have the spirit of marriage when you have, first of all, met the criteria for unionizing, creating a union. 
union. I-O-N means keep going. It just keeps, it keeps intensifying. It keeps happening. It's a, it's a dynamic. Function is a dynamic. Action is a dynamic. It's not an incident. The wedding is an incident. The union is the constant. And it's that constant drawing from each other that, that, that creates a third person, which is half the one and half the other. So all the while you said, well, we're in relationship, and that's just like, if you got to add just like, then you know it just ain't. So if you've got to add that to it all the time, it's just like, well, we feel that way. People feel errant feelings all the time. That's the danger of running on your feelings. Because, see, tomorrow you're going to have a new experience, and you're going to feel something different, which is why you move in with somebody, you're with them three years, five years, they meet Mr. or Miss Wright, and you're out because you only had a relationship. You only had a partner. You took part in one another's lives not in one another's soul. Well, I feel like it's a soul tie. Yeah, well, you would, because you don't know the difference between your, where your flesh ends and your soul begins. Because you think, well, I mean, half of the world thinks the soul is in your head. <laughs> don't they? So you think the soul is in your head, so whatever your mentality is becomes your psychological self or your psychological uh, sentiments. But that's not how that works. I'm glad to be who I am because God took a lot of time to teach me. So a lot of you all are doing it. A lot of you all think, well, I just don't, we don't need some man to approve us to be married. You need a man to approve you to get a car. You need a man to approve you to buy a house. You need a man to approve you to get in college. You need a man, a person to approve you to get into anything, to join a group. To, uh, you need someone, a human to approve you to get some treatment, some medical treatment, doctor treatment, clinical treatment. You need a person to approve you to say that you're sane or insane. All of that is people. So what is it about marriage that says it doesn't need it? Is it too high to need it? Because if it's that high, why are y'all divorcing? So it must be very low on the total. In other words, marriage is deemed, deemed dispensable. You need humans to do everything in society that you want to assure is right, authentic, Safe and quality or qualified. You need him to qualify you. So why don't you need God's agents to qualify your so-called marriage? Then it gets in trouble. Well, we just feel like it. You know, and then y'all go and run and get them little quickie Las Vegas marriage, which God absolutely hates. So if you did it, you need to go back and get your vows. He hates those. Because they say that the whole idea of them being quirky, uh, and then you being high, being knowing somebody, meeting, marrying somebody, you just met all of that kind of crazy stuff. See, that whole idea, again, trashes the institution. So he hates it. I'm going to say he hates it because he said he does. Hates it. And doesn't really want, God will honor the crazy you do, but he will honor it in, under the label called crazy, which means it's full of crazy things. Because those are unsanctified ministers. Some of them are untrained. Some are, they might have a Las Vegas license because, you know, they're going to make a living off of people marrying just for the sake of. I'm sure they'll have enough to make you feel comfortable with it. 
and then the others of you, well, it doesn't matter who I marry. It matters when you go to college. It matters whether a TA teaches you or a professor. Isn't that the truth? It matters. As a matter of fact, you're upset if you never see the professor. I didn't take a TA class. I'm not paying so-and-so thousands of dollars for a TA class. Somebody who's just like me, you just happen to get AIDS. So there's a whole lot more we're going to cover as we go forward because God is taking back marriage from devils. And he's taking them back from devils, from promiscuity, from deception. He's taking it back. A lot of you all, as Christians, you married unchristian folks thinking Christianity was going to fix that. It didn't fix you because if it had fixed you, you wouldn't have married a non-Christian. See, only a weak Christian will marry a non-Christian. Barely saved, possibly just churched, no Holy Ghost, or disobedience to the Holy Ghost. So you're like, it, well, it doesn't matter who you marry. It matters. It matters because the spirit of marriage is not going to submit that like that. Because, to be honest with you, until you, you, can, you make up your mind that I'm either one's going to indulge your religion or you can't ever talk about it, which means you can't ever acknowledge Jesus Christ if you're a Christian. Or you're going to get converted to the other person's God. <coughs> I, I think that's just powerful stuff that we need. So I don't know who you are, but you're about to marry a non-Christian. And God said your life will be hell for 15 years. He said, don't ask him anything. He will take care of you custodially. He will be, God said, I will take care of your basic needs. I will take care of whatever it is, keep you alive. But it's going to be hell. Because how can two walk together unless they are agreed? You wouldn't get into a partnership with that kind of disagreement, but you want to get into a marriage. And then you think, you figure, well, we're married. God's got to take care of it. God's got to do one thing, honor his word. He's got one obligation in all that he said, honor his word. He says, what fellowship has Christ with Belial? God has no fellowship with, with other religions. Why? Their nature is He's eternal. They come from the earth. He comes from heaven above. He said to Israel, I am from above. You are from beneath. That's why we can't talk. So all of those other religions that you think don't matter, they do matter. And they matter greatly when you're married because you exchange the spirit of those deities when you are, are intimate. So you're always mixing God, the spirit of Christ, with another God. Now, he said that in 1 Corinthians 6. So you think he's going to be so excited. Yeah, but at least we're not burning. Yeah, but you could grow up and have some self-control. That's an option. God wants you to know that. So that was my little piece. That's my, you know, intro, outro, whatever. But God wanted to speak to somebody today. Somebody else, you're a Christian, and you can marry a same-sex person. I want you to understand, when you do, your marriage is cursed. And I don't care what a devil says. It's a curse. Your marriage is cursed. I don't care how much joy you have. I don't care how much booze you drink to numb the curse. I don't care how much drugs you take to anesthetize yourself from the discomfort and Christ contempt. God calls it a stench in his nostrils. It's a stench, and you're not a Christian. Because a Christian would not do that to their God. 
and they have a God. And to me, we talked about that on one of my broadcasts. They have a God, and it's not Christ. So there are a couple of you all today, God wants to warn you before you get crazy. Yeah, but, you know, my pastor said, okay, he may be your pastor, but he's probably, uh, clearly, they're not God's pastor. And so you have to make sure your pastor is Jesus' pastor. Because you may not be pastored by Jesus' pastors. Is that all right? Because okay. any pastor that's going to tell you same-sex marriage is okay is working for the God of the gay people. That's the God of the gay. And everything outside of Christianity is from the earth. So you all, you, you've been counseled. I'm looking at you right now. You've been counseled. you all about ready to tie them out. I'm telling you, if you, because one of you were raised up in church. One of you is a young man raised up in church. And the other one's a minister. Now, I'm telling you right now, God has already dispatched angels to judge this move. He, they are commissioned to judge it, which means he said, I'm going to take my peace from you. So when you get peace, it's going to be a false peace. And false peace sounds like this. No matter what happens, God is love. No matter what happens, the Lord will forgive you. No matter what happens, if anybody got to tell you no matter what happens, you need to understand that whatever happens, it stops winter. Because if you got to leave with no, if, no matter what happens, you know, we drive down the street every day, coming here, and there's a little church talking about we're affirming. Affirming what? What are they firming up? Affirming means to firm up. Strengthen, fortify, what? Your delusion. And the Bible is very specific. It said when a person does not want to receive the love of the truth, God will send them strong delusion that they would believe the lie. And when you are utterly surrendered to delusion, your lie becomes your truth, even when it's destroying you. You got disease. You got polyps. You got AIDS. You got STIs. And you know what you're still saying? Yeah, but that has nothing to do with it. Oh, yeah, it has everything to do with it. And your scientists know it. So I want you to be very clear when you decide to tie this knot. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost has already commissioned angels to come against this thing. That means we're going to see diseases like you've never seen them. They are getting ready to be rampant. God is talking about pus sores that run down your leg. I've seen them. He's taking me into the future to see this because when God, in order for God to judge a thing, it's got to show up as a judgment. So you can tell me don't judge you all day long. There is a God who has decided how he wants his sexual gift to be treated. You will not believe how horrible these swords are going to be. They're going to be in your mouth, all on your tongue. They're going to be in your eyes. And it's going to look like an existing one, but when they try to treat this thing, it's going to turn differently. Because God, see, people don't realize God can out-crazy you. We're busy talking about his wisdom. We don't realize God can do crazy. He said, with the fall, when I show myself fall. So however you treat him is how he's going to act with you. And how he's going to handle your life. So this and these, this disease will reform itself and reformat itself ten times. Ten is the number of the law. It will reformat itself ten times, and it won't. And it will pass on to your children. And it's going to show up in a lot of ways. Mental disorder is going to show up in their in their uh, 
reproductive self in their genitals, it's going to show up. It's going to almost look like you. So you can talk all day long about how free you are. You are free to do, but you're not free to control the consequences. Your freedom does not extend the consequences. And that's the lie Satan has told you all. You know, well, I mean, it's not my fault. He made me mad. Yeah, but why were you there to make him mad or for him to make you mad? People have lost the guardianship of wisdom. Wisdom is a defense. Oh, I got that. I'm talking about myself. Wisdom is a defense. And when you lack wisdom, you are defenseless. So there are a lot of things you do, and they make good sense to you, but they don't fit the wisdom of creation, the wisdom that God's governors and leaders and, 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 and his uh, celestials and terrestrials, because, you know, there are celestial angels, and then there are those who are on the ground with us all the time. Bless them all the time. We don't work with them at all. Are you all following me? So you can go there, and all of you Christians who feel sorry because you feel like the gay folks should have their way. Let me just tell you something. You, the Bible says you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart. With, and that's the first and greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Once you do that, you could never vote this. You can vote it because you don't love God. You love humanity more than you love the God that saved your soul. So you don't care how uncomfortable he is. You don't care how corrupt we're showing him. You don't care about anything as long as you love humanity. And you cannot love humanity more than Jesus did because you're not ready to die for it. So your love stops stops at at the life and death gate. But there is no way. You can say you love God and you love this. You can't do it because God hates it. And and this he's hated from the garden. That's how far he hated this. These are Johnny Calais. This is from the garden. And you love your God? Well, I love him because you feel, uh uh-uh, you can't love God with your love. The Bible says that God must shed his love abroad in your heart. Romans 5. If God doesn't put his love in you, you won't love him. That's why we got so many false Christians, antichrist Christians, churchians, Christian churchians, or churchians pretending to be Christians. Because when you really are, are saying, and like, you can't tell me if I'm saying, I can't. My job is to tell you if you're saved. Just like it's my job to tell you if you're talking about God's word right, correctly. My job is to tell you and to say who is is not saved because we represent Jesus Christ. Thus, if he's the door, we're the gate that gets you to the door. This powerful stuff, when you start dealing with the real Jesus, it's a scary thing. And that is why such an empire of unbelief has been erected over top the church, overlaying the church. Well, then they don't want to come to Christ. No, you don't care about them coming to Christ. You care about them coming to your church. And we need to make sure they know what they're coming to. Are they coming to your church? Different set of rules. Are they coming to Jesus Christ? Different procedure. It's going to be fun as we go through this, loving on Jesus. So I have this wonderful, branding little, near-commissioned apostle with me. Yes, I do. And the other one's going to be on this side. 
Right now she got new toys. She's stuck up in her new toys. Come on, leave the toys. Put the teddy bear down. She's going to trust the help. You look at this. Look at this. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. <laughs> And I'm just like, I don't know if I'm, I blame <laughs> It's easy. Isn't it easy? Hallelujah. But you can always bring your phone up here. We don't take Oh, I think it does. Okay. So, you know, in our organization, we throw you in head first and then see if you can spot off some photos. Yes. You know? Am I in the shot? Is she in the shot? <laughs> Is she well in or on the, on the fringe? I'm good, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I said to you when we started out, so how were you, how were you all handling this? How were you handling our discussion? Oh, uh, very good, especially when you were talking about the spirit of marriage. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first heard you teach on that years ago, and I thought, oh, that's why people are different when they get married, mm-hmm. even if they've been shacking up for a long time. The spirit of marriage. And it does change. And when you... Talk to people, and I've seen several interviews with people in Hollywood who've mm-hmm. lived together for years, had children, after 10 or 15 years, finally get married, and they all say the same thing. There is a definite difference because, in their shop. Mm-hmm. The spirit of marriage mm-hmm. is, the, is, is literally the agency and the agent that takes that separation away and puts in its place the formula and the functions of a union, where one takes from the other, they draw from each other. And you, that's why when people have been married a long time, when they're really with the one they should be with, they start looking like each other. You ever notice that? Yes. They, they look like brother and sister, <laughs> like Adam and Eve did. Brother and sister, yeah. husband and wife. See? And I ain't making a bit for incest, so don't y'all go there. Because I know somebody that, you know, to the pure, all things are pure. But to the sinning and defiled. Nothing is pure. And so I always like that. This is two things. And this is the heart of the new creation of the Melchizedek priesthood. This is really good. Um, it's very, very good. And then, um, and then I look at the other. But this one here says, when the priest, this is powerful, because we only know what Malachi 3. We don't ever read. Malachi is to preach. That means the staffers that are cutting off. <laughs> okay, the executives, the leaders that are cutting up. And he says here, and now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. Now, I'm going to go to the last one because this is important, 114. But cursed be the deceiver which has in his flock a male and vows and sacrifice to the Lord a corrupt thing. A lot of y'all got those corrupt sacrifices, wondering why you're not getting your harvest. You're still singing about your harvest. God is still trying to do something with the corruption that you've given him. Broke down this, tore down that. You can give God a dollar and send a thousand dollars to somebody else. That's a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. He like even the unsaved got sense enough to be more reverent to me than you are. And he said, and now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear it, if you will not lay it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessing. Yea, I've cursed them already, which is why y'all upset. That's why we have this meeting. <laughs> That's why we're right here. Uh, you know, you came. I'm standing here. You came bringing me your beat down 
ratty lambs and ear tore up, book hate the leg, and he said, you're going to bring that to me for a sacrifice because you don't think there's a prophet in serving me. But there is one. He said, behold, now this is what I want you to get because this is where we are right now, especially in the church. Hear this, Matthew, uh, Malachi 2, behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung among your face, even the dung of your solemn feet, and one shall take you away with it. In case you don't know, dung is feces. Just in case you didn't know. And you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you that my covenant might be with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Now, why is he saying that? Because people are jumping into the priesthood and they're bumping Levi out. God made a covenant under Moses' law. His covenant is with Levi. Under Jesus' law, his covenant is with Melchizedek, which is what we become after Jesus becomes the high priest. And so he says, my covenant, listen, I want you to listen to me. This is really, really important. Pop those ears. Come on. Pop them. Yeah. You know how you're on the plane? Yeah. You need to pop them. Some of us need to do that plane pop for the word. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear that he feared me and was afraid before my name. In other words, reverence. Let's just say because he so revered me. So when you super revere God, God gives you, he opens up his life um, vaults and his life treasuries, and he literally floods your world with a peace, a peace that doesn't make sense. So if you don't have peace in your house, you need to go talk to Jesus because he said, I'm the prince of peace. Now, listen, verse 6 is where I want to go, and then I'm going to jump over to, um, I'm going to jump over to 14. I wanted to make sure I was going to the right one. Verse 6, the law of truth. Huh? The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law of truth at his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Now, you realize that the, as much as the, 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 the uh, pastoral or Protestant or contemporary uh, minister has disparaged the law, the law of truth. So the Ten Commandments is God's truth. It's the truth, and it's condensed. Because when you do, when, when you execute each one of those commandments, you probably got a book that's ready to be printed. The law of truth is in his mouth. That's what Moses brought, the law of truth. And this whole idea that the Ten Commandments are not, because that's Old and New Testament, first of all, you've got too many of the commandments that moved over to the New Testament. And Jesus said very clearly, I'm always going to say it, Matthew, I do not think that I came to destroy or destroy or abolish. Look up the word destroy. Before you are quick to tell somebody that's the law, do your homework. Research. The law of truth was in his mouth. The word of God is in his mouth. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
So the law of Christ is the law of truth. We are talking so much about the law of love. We don't talk about the law of truth or the law of righteousness or holiness. And we can go on. That's another time. Hopping over here to the 14th verse. Yet, talking about spirit of spirit of marriage that you wrote down. I didn't write it down. Yet, they say, wherefore, because the Lord, it said the Lord is, he, he, he said, mm. he said he hard with them in his, in his own language, that the Lord has an issue with you. Yet, they say, wherefore, because the Lord has been witness, study witness. I have a class on witness. Study witness scripturally. I do. Between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. And so, this is what he said. He said, and did and did not he make them one? Yet had he the residue of the spirit. And wherefore, one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, husband, and let none of you deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. Oh, my. <laughs> so, you know, all, y'all, all of y'all middle-aged men putting, putting your middle, middle-aged wife out so you can get some young titan talk? God says that's a treacherous thing. Bible, and it's treacherous for a priest to do it. It's, mm. it's horrible for anybody but for a priest. So when you're in ministry and you're doing that, no, you are courting judgment. You, it may take five years, may take ten years, but you're putting her out because she's aged, because she's sick, mm. because you shouldn't have married her. Mm. Hey, live with your mistakes. God's living with us. We the bride of Christ, and he's living with us, and he, we ain't giving him a, a whole lot of glory. He said the wife Help of us. I love this. He said, yet he had, yet had he the residue of the spirit. Because marriage has a spirit, a spirit of protection and guardianship fruitfulness, because anytime God speaks a word over anything, it creates a spirit. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are We're going to talk about women apostles. <laughs> we know a few. Uh, I, and we got, we're spanning a whole age group. I, I'm the oldest of the group right now. Nobody would ever believe it. <laughs> we always laugh because sometimes Dr. Price is like, why are they talking to me like that? I know. Because like, they think you're 45. They think you're 50. I know. Yeah. They do. And they you do. just got here. And then I open my mouth and all bets are off. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know this branding new apostle. And so we're going to do this. And we're going to talk just a little bit. You can, um, you can post some questions if you want, particularly if you feel like you're a woman apostle or you're called to be an apostle. You can post some questions. Fair enough? Fair enough. All right. And then when you post the questions, then we will go and answer them. But let's talk about you. You and I have known each other 15 years. When I first came to Tulsa in 1999, I told you you were an apostle. Oh, yeah. And your whole life went into a tailspin from there. So let's <laughs> talk about between that time and now. For example, why did you... Uh, want to be developed as an apostle? Why did you want to be 
trained. I mean, we, we're in a city and we're in the body of Christ where a lot of folks are like, I don't need that. I mean, I'm successful without it. What made you feel differently? I feel differently because I realized that a lot of people um, are out here just doing what they think is apostleship or being an apostle, and they couldn't explain it to me. And so when I met Dr. Price, I said, wait one minute. He has all that knowledge I'm looking for and that wisdom I'm looking for, the depth that I'm looking for. I'm looking online constantly just trying to find all these answers. But I'm coming to her name or I'm going to her and talking to her mm-hmm. and saying, Dr. Rice, this is what I want to know. You got it. And I can't find it anywhere else. Now, she kind of corrected me to let me know. There are people somewhere out there. So mm-hmm. Don't limit God. <laughs> she will say that. Yeah, be- oh my! But I just couldn't find them. So um, <laughs> I began to just see that I needed to understand the whole picture. Mm-hmm. I didn't want the title without understanding what the depth of what that title was, what God wanted us to do with it. And the more I got the training, which started about the physical training, started about eight years mm-hmm. or so ago, and I began to understand then. I want to be able to explain this to others mm-hmm. because I'm always about how can I help someone else to yep. get where they have to go. So destiny was it. And um, I began to grow. I did not understand all the terms right away. It took me some time. I had to go through the journey of being rebuked and then put back on the altar. And but I didn't do it. Who did it? Jesus. Because they need to know that. Oh, yes. Jesus Because they don't know. They think he's a regard to Oh, my goodness. He was saying, this is very important to me. So you're not going to halfway do it. (laughs) So the review came immediately. No, no, no. And I I, I grew a lot because, Mm -hmm. you know, as he was teaching me, and then he used Dr. Price to really just be that vessel to speak into my life, I always thought that being an apostle was going to be something that you had to be like a growling, like you are just the (laughs) boss and you can just beat everybody up. And then I found out, oh, they have compassion. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I grew from that and understood that um, I wanted to get the whole picture. Like I said, I wanted to know the governmental parts. I wanted to know when we say that we go and we talk to kings in the language that God wants us to talk to them in, that we could learn how to do that. Instead of, instead of just being uh, on the level of first grade, we really could get masters and doctrines and be the best for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So... As time went on, I, I found out um, through the training that it was important that I finish and become commissioned and not just have, again, the title um, and understand how to get others commissioned as well. So that's my short story. I have been excited about the growth. I've learned a tremendous amount from Dr. Price, uh, but God has taken me in that back room. I've been to the woodshed. I've been to the cave. Um, I'm still sometimes going to the woodshed. But I grew and I learned a lot even from the six apostles or the other five apostles that came through this with me mm-hmm. uh, because when I went through it, it was just me. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it was, oh, yeah, and it was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But now that I've had a chance to be a college of apostles and grew with these apostles to understand the the um, information that Dr. Price has given in her classes, um, we can together iron out a lot of things we didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have to go and sit in our bedroom and go, hum, da, 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 shut up <laughs> all night. You know, you really could talk to someone else and ask their, and they 
they helped you to get there. So uh, I, I'm enjoying now being a part of NEAR. I understand what um, New Era Apostleship really is about now and being able to spread that message and be a part of this great exercise. Well, let me ask you another question then. As you were going through this, and, and you did have the hiatus of, of, of development, you know, because God, sometimes you start and you think it's God for you, and you know it's God for you, but when you start getting into it, you realize that it may be God for you, but it's for your destiny, but it's not feeling good on your flesh. Because <laughs> I call my program bioorganic because it's very anatomic as well as theological, more technical. So I call it that because God, when you say the living God and the living word, you're talking bioorganic. Mm-hmm. You're talking anatomy. And what we don't realize is that the body of Christ is Jesus' anatomy. And we, when we get to the section. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I already wrote mine down when I heard this before. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. 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 Your turn. And so, and so, meaning that the word, every word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So God's word is quick and powerful, but he says it's living. That's why he says every word that I speak unto you is spirit and life. So the program being drawn, really being drawn primarily from scripture, brings you into the bio-organics of the almighty. There, and it's, so it's not just... The brain is not just the heart. Did we not find that mm-hmm. out? It's it, it's it's the, you know it's, it's your, your carotid artery, it's your jugular, it's your your vein, vascular system. Why? Because God likens everything about Him and His church as a body. That's what Romans twelve tells mm-hmm. us. So now, having said that, dealing with that living dy- dynamic, could you give them some sort of a heads up, I like to use that phrase right mm-hmm. now, heads up about what it means to get into that living curriculum of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he responds and interacts. And then on the other side of that, how your family or those in your circle responded to inter- and interacted with your development. Mm-hmm. Well, that living curriculum for me, <laughs> um, it, it really changed me, particularly getting into biblical psychology, <laughs> because uh. it, it got all the way down into letting me know, oh, the heart is different than the soul. The soul is different than the soul. Um, finding out all these pieces that we need to understand about our soul. Mm-hmm. And that part of me understanding how God is trying to get the soul cleaned out. I mean, I, I went back to all these songs I used to sing and things we used to say about the soul and thought, did we know what we were saying? <laughs> and did we know what we were going to have to go through? So um, I look at the whole organic part of me. I still, as an apostle, I completely got gutted and still go through it some more. But just understanding the soul piece, mm-hmm. just getting that in uh, operation, I, it took me through some changes. Uh, of, okay, can I really be an apostle? Because, wow, I'm really feeling just good and safe today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because there's a lot that went on in, in, in that area uh, that I believe that God wanted to clean out the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to clean out the top leadership. He wants to clean out those that are in those throne positions of, you know, kingdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does not want us to be the, the same as what we thought we should have been in the church. 
but in the kingdom, we are supposed to be cleaned out. Our soul is just a mess. Mm-hmm. And um, so now I push a lot, just the soul part of what God has taught me to get it into every uh, fivefold. Because mm-hmm. I believe if they get it, it's going to go to the church. And I hope that's the way you're kind of asking mm-hmm. your question. I just thought about the fact that uh, biblical psychology was my uh, way of what God did. Yes, mm-hmm. that was the catalyst that got me clean and ready. Mm-hmm. I don't believe I would have been ready if I had not gone through that. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe it. When we were in those classes, I mean, we were just shaking our head the whole time and going, Wow, let's start over. Mm-hmm. So I believe that that is so needed in apostleship, that you get your soul right. You understand that that's a key part of what God is trying to do before we take everybody else to it. Well, you've got to have a clean soul if you want to begin to take in the holy and sanctified word of God. What do you think about the soul part? Well, I said the exact same thing to Dr. Price. I said, if I didn't have biblical psychology, there is no question in my mind that I would not have made it. Mm. And um, the and Dr. Price's vision has always been to start the apostleship training with 3D. Mm-hmm. And so we're starting our new apostleship training, our AITs, with SOAP, mm-hmm. Soul of the Apostles Church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, I thought every time I just say this, I don't like, oh my God, because it's so true how that is where you begin. So now you already wrote the book several years ago. Now we have the biblical psychology lectures together, and every apostle that we just commissioned going through the biblical psychology lectures, they were like, oh man. I know it, right? Oh man, you know, this just explains so many things. I would say that the, the soul of success in going through those classes explains why you were always successful in the things you were, but why you constantly failed mm-hmm. in the things that you did. And then the goal of the class to be in the healing process, mm-hmm. the restoration, and not just the beat down. I mean, you hammered in at least three lectures, stop taking the beat down approach mm-hmm. to everything we do, and even corrections. Oh, I know, and I'm just like, no, no, no. That is not the point. There are a lot of affirming things that come out of these classes and these lectures, but they truly empty you out of the old, empty you out of what's compromising mm-hmm. your system. They do. And what's compromising your mantle, since we're talking about officers. Mm-hmm what's compromising your integrity, things that you can't even see. I mean, going through biblical psychology is like, oh, my goodness, my eyes are open. The understanding of my eyes are open, and I can actually see I was blinded to that truth. Mm-hmm. But there it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems so obvious when you teach it. Right there. Okay, so. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me answer this question. Yes, the class can be taken online. Biblical psychology, whether you are in the apostleship training, or you just want to be healed, it really doesn't matter who you are. You can enroll in biblical psychology, www.priceuniversity.org. It is an online course. You will have to enroll in the school. It's not like our miniature self-studies. This is a course with real homework and real lectures and a tremendous reward. And it comes under our soul of success curriculum. Mm -hmm. 
because we realize, I mean, we all know so people who hit the top, stay there three weeks, three years, ten years, they're gone. Why do you wonder? Okay. Why? Because your talents took you where your soul couldn't keep you. <laughs> I'm sorry. It hit me hard. It hit me hard. So that's why you lost your home. That's why you lost that you fought so hard for. That's why you lost your car. That's why you lost your family and friends. That's why you lost your business. Because you, you went on talent, and the world responds to talent. But success responds to your soul. And it has rules. And so when you want to take your, your triumphs and your victories and your breakthroughs, milestones, into the dimension of success, there are rules. This has protocols. Mm-hmm. And because nobody teaches you those, you realize that you, but I know I did everything right. You did everything right to, be, to succeed. But to succeed and being successful can be miles apart. Oh, wow. So that's important. You know, it's important because we have a lot of people who look successful on the outside, alcoholics, okay, promiscuous, mm-hmm. adulterous, who are, are conniving, deceitful. That's because their soul can't keep the success that they gained unless it's corrupt. So many times you have to decorrupt your soul when you hit the top. Because if you don't, it's going to take you out and it's going to make you codependent on a whole lot of fixes that you wouldn't need if your soul had been primed for the success you want to sustain. My God. <laughs> and you do that every week in class. And what I love about what I love about the class lectures are we recorded lectures as they were happening. So you get the student experience, you get the classroom experience, you get the Dr. Price in a classroom experience. If you think she's a piece of work here, and if you've been to an Ooh. event, you know it's a little bit different in the classroom setting. Mm-hmm. And you know what else you get in the online course? You get to hear other people's breakthroughs. Yes. Because we, it's a class. If you were here, you would have heard it. So we, you get to hear other people's breakthroughs, and you also get to hear your soul's impediments and handicaps. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, your soul could be clean, but you got that thing that mama did or that daddy did or that some rape did and some molesting did or some accusation. And those things have, have taken deep-rooted anchors in your mm-hmm. soul, and they are only agitated when they are threatened. So mm-hmm. as you succeed, so success is a threat, but it's not just a, an external threat. It's also an internal threat. And she teaches a lecture on that specifically about either how you're raising your children or how you were raised and ties that to mm-hmm. your soul. Mm-hmm. A biggest one, my, my favorite, is table talk. Much of what guides your life is table talk. Yeah. You need to check out the course. But now we're going to go a little bit in a little bit of a danger zone. Are you bold enough? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Because you're married. Yes. And you have a husband. And you've been married how long? For 27 years. 27 years. And then all of a sudden, up jumps the apostle, who is the wife and not the husband. Could you share a little bit about that? How you faced it, how it surfaced, and then how you managed it? and still continue with the process. I think that they would like to hear that. Would you all like to hear that? I'm mm-hmm. saying yes for them. Oh, yeah. I can probably <laughs> say yes for them because I have people that text me and ask me <laughs> all the time. But they do. Oh, good. I know how it happens. Uh, but, it, you know, it surfaced by 
20, maybe before I met Dr. Price, and someone mentioned about being an apostle. And I, of course, of the church churches that we came from, um, we didn't see where a woman should ever be an apostle. Back in that time. Mm-hmm. So, so barely let us Oh, yeah, you couldn't even stand in front of the pulpit. You didn't stand on the floor. So, So I mean, I when I began to get into a partnership with Dr. Price, mm-hmm. and I knew that my husband was at that point pastoring church, a church with me, I found out that um, this title, I need, again, like I said, I need to research it. I could explain it even with my husband. <laughs> She's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so being a female, I realized that um, I was going to have other people in this city that were going to come up against me because I'd been here for over 35 years, and I knew most of how the churches are here. They don't really look at a woman really being a pastor, much less, much less being an apostle. And so I began to think, how am I going to be strong, God, because people are going to ridicule me in what do I need to do? Because I want to really be able to explain it because they're going to say, you can't even talk about it. That's a really good point. And then knowing that I'm the female, that's my husband that lives with me, and he's not an apostle going that direction, I knew that I was going to have to explain that mostly to the men in the city Mm. because most of the men pastors want to know, what are you doing there, Pastor Keith? What are you letting her go ahead of you? And at at that time... um, the women were co-pastors, or you always had, you didn't, as Dr. Price has taught us now, just because one's a pastor doesn't mean you have to have a co-pastor, a ritual back then. And so I kept thinking, how is he going to be the co-apostle? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, Lord. You know, ooh, because, That's very good. Yeah, because I could not figure out that was going to happen if God really hadn't called him to do this, and if he didn't go through what I was going to have to go through to be trained, you can't just give him that type. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I learned from that that no matter what was going on with uh, the others and the, the men, particularly telling me, how dare you be an apostle instead of him, uh, I was going to have to answer God because mm-hmm. I knew God had called me. And my husband at that point uh, let me know. He said, well, you do what God says. You what God says. And at that point, I realized that I had to, even if he had agreed with it or not, still, I knew I was going to obey God because mm-hmm. I thought, he's not going to call you for this kind of position and just say, well, it's okay if you don't want to. I mean, it was important mm-hmm. to him and very important. And Dr. Price began to give that training again of how important it was to the king that he had this officer in place and what they had to do. My husband went through a little bit of the training at the beginning, so he knew a little bit, but as we went on, um, that thing that comes into marriages, you know, I'm going to be pulled a lot more, to do a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I had to face the fact that do you throw away your husband and just go ahead and do this? Because I remember having a conversation with Dr. Price, you know, Dr. Price, do women, after they get in these positions, they mm-hmm. can go and just say goodbye, marriage, just it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I, I was very blunt with it. Mm-hmm. You know, what do we do? And she, she said, well, no, that's not necessarily true. It's not going to be what God's going to tell everybody to do. You can have marriages and still can't mm-hmm. this. You're just going to go through warfare. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, great. <laughs> I said, oh, I did <laughs> <laughs> This is going to be hard. No, I said, this is going to be easy. You just, you have to know that. And I went. Thank you, Dr. Price. 
Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to just tell me it's going to be all right, honey. You will love your marriage more. You will get stronger. He will love you better. You know, <laughs> she used that big warfare word, and I knew what that meant in a <laughs> So um, my prayer life had to change. My thoughts had to change. Everything inside of me had to take on a new demeanor. My family, not just my husband, was questioning that word again. Please explain it. It still doesn't make sense. Why would he want you to do that? Family first, family first, that kind of talk mm-hmm. was coming up. And I realized again, I said, I'm gonna, I'm going to have to be educated because I have to tell someone else this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew that, number one, I needed to go in the prayer closet, stay on my face before God. Because when you have a marriage, when you have family, they have no idea what this is about. The hits come in droves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still had to be able to say to my husband, I do love you. I really do. But I am obeying God. And this is important to him that I do these things. He was watching me do all this homework and mm-hmm. all of these different things. And I said, my goodness, did you hear? And he's like, I'm not even reading it. <laughs> but, I mean, I would get so excited because I want to, you know, you got a mate sitting there. You want them to know. Yeah, just just said. <gasps> so um, he, he liked my, my spunk of just staying in there, but he knew that a lot of this, I was having to go it alone mm-hmm. because his life was not what mine was taking on. Um, he determined he uh, I'll keep moving on your head. But I need you to know, my mm-hmm. goodness, girl, this is a lot of work. Will you ever graduate? <laughs> kind of stuff. So as time came for this graduation, uh, things be, still begin to happen. I, I just want to tell everybody, marriage is not easy in any capacity when you're in lead, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're the lead woman, mm-hmm. because the chatter that comes for the man is out there, mm-hmm. and it's not just him hearing it from the devil or the no, enemy. Yes, there are people everywhere. And so, really yeah, it's really a hard place, but at the same time, if you, as a woman, if you're the woman apostle, um, stay, stay before God and talk to him and let him know these things are happening. I mean, I go in my back room and say, oh, I'm buying up everything that's happening mm-hmm. right now. I command all these things to come down. You go shut down. You're not going to cause confusion in my house. I mean, mm-hmm. I did that on a daily basis, mm-hmm. even when everybody was smiling, whether it was my husband or the, you know, mm-hmm. the kids. I was like, oh, oh, it was coming. <laughs> and especially if Dr. Price had told us that we're getting ready to see greatness, I thought that word brings with it work. Mm-hmm. So um, I believe that that was how my marriage has held together. My family has held together. Again, I don't let it be known that it was just the easiest thing in any capacity, um, but it can work. God does want the marriage. God wants the family. My family, my kids are very much now backing me. They came mm-hmm. for the commission. They said, oh, God, this is awesome. Your whole nation came for you. Oh, yes, my whole nation took up like a third of the room. Yes, we had quite a few people that believed in all these years of 35 years just planning in their lives, this has come to be something that is going to cause them to take their places, mm-hmm. uh, that they know it's real. They understand it now. Uh, they're doing a lot better with it. And uh, I just tell, like, again, I tell every female that's an apostle and your husband may not be, uh, take a look at God, at what he said. Make sure you know it was him. And even in this, I had to give up my church that I mm-hmm. was going through. And I said, because of the attendance. Uh, you know, oh, yes. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> 
as I was going through uh, that, that I was going through, God was telling me, he said, I need all of you. I need every portion of you. So you're going to have to give me every portion by saying, I come first. If I, this is what I want. It's my ministry. It's not you. <laughs> so I had to take on all that thought process and knowing, oh, this is about your business and what you want and what you want to do and how you want to do it. And I need to submit to that. So I had to die, and everything I had had to die. Lord, was she hacking? Oh, my goodness. Her name was hacking and whacking. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I came through that process knowing that now everything he says of what he wants to do, it needs to be his title and mm-hmm. not mine. And, and church, I'm not supposed to write at this point in my life. Well, let me say it this way. I don't need to have a church under my name, okay. under what I need to be doing. Because for where he called me and what he commissioned me to do, that would have been an accident going into a crash. Yeah. She said an accident, accident going into a crash. crash. <laughs> <laughs> a double accident. I love it. It would have messed up my whole life because that wasn't the call of where he really called me. And now I understand the full picture of apostles mm-hmm. and knowing what apostles do. We do not just take on work for ourselves. You can't do it. Can't do it. It's, it's too heavy. It makes you tired, and everybody leaves you. Well, so wait. <laughs> because you know what? No, and you know why they leave you? Because somebody needs to understand this. You know why they leave Ooh. you? Because they see you going through trial. They're like, I want to. Oh, 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 no. When that fire of, of, of apostleship readiness gets on you, folks be like jumping ship like it's a storm. Some of them leave a piece of offering and slip, slip it in your purse and, and when, on the way out the door. You're like, where did I get this from? Never see them again. Oh, that's a shame. People try to defend themselves from your apostleship readiness, oh, wow. you know? And then, so let's, yeah. let's talk about you. We're going to get real deep with you today. Uh-oh. Okay. You are unmarried. Yes. I have had you since college. Yes. You have had opportunity to be married. I know they think nobody ever does. A couple times. A couple times. Mm-hmm. And yet, here you sit as a woman apostle who's giving it all up for the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you say to those women out there? Well, I would say, one, you have to make it your business to find out your past that God has for you and then be okay with it. Mm-hmm. You have to, if you're going to be successful, you, this, that, I think that was the beginning of the, uh, even before we had the language, culture crafted Christianity mm-hmm. and all those other things, a lot of that pressure is culture crafted, mm-hmm. not God. I remember hearing her in the beginning, well, let me go back, let me go back to predate you. Pre-date. Because a lot of people think we didn't have thoughts in our head before we met Dark Christ. There, I mean, she's heard it all. They're young, you're manipulating them, they're going to go find out, they're going to see, they're going to be... And I'm sure you've heard it in the back rooms you were in over the years of Pastor Sally as well. But when I was a little kid, I resolved, because my parents were divorced, and then my mom was remarried, my dad was remarried, and I was so frustrated by that whole situation as a kid. I thought, I said, I remember saying out of my mouth, I am only going to do this once. Mm -hmm. And if I do it when I'm older in life, that is fine with me, because this, this drama right here is reality. Mm-hmm. All that stuff on television, I had enough sense as a kid to understand that. So to be here now, it's like, yeah, I did say that, didn't mm-hmm. I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, it, but it really was in my heart to believe that. Mm-hmm. It was true. 
And so when I met someone like Dr. Price, who never laid the pressure from her was to fulfill destiny, not to get a man and start popping out kids. And then we have the perfect photo ops because that's what people are looking for, the wedding dress picture and the grandchildren picture and the I have a ring on Facebook picture and my status change, like all those moments is what people live for. Mm -hmm. But the reality of what it takes to make that work and be successful is something else altogether. And uh, so I was really happy when I met you and you're like, I ain't doing all of that. And let me, and let me tell you why it's a problem to be immersed in the dating scene. Let me tell you why it destroys soul. So it wasn't just no, 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 with no explanation. I mean, we went in, eyes wide open. Now, did everybody do right? Of course not. No, they were slipping and sliding and dipping, and we don't even know what else. Slipping and fleeing. All right, that too. That too. And we've seen it. I mean, we know people who have determined and said out of their mouths, I will not be single by 40. I will not be starting to have kids at 40. I will not. And let me tell you what, that that authorization yeah. of devastation on your destiny kicks in like a machine. And you just see people go straight off their path. So for me, um, to be this age and to not be married, to not have children yet, is the best thing that could have happened to my life. Tell us why. Because of who God called me to be a friend of mine who is going through divorce just asked me, she said, do you think you'll get married and have children? I just shared with you the other day. And I said, yeah, because you know, God told me I am. And she said, well, do you have an issue with your age? And I said, no. One, I was raised with a mother who told me all the time, because she had been when she was 32, which mm -hmm. in the 70s was old. Yeah. We haven't children. She was gone in 50. Yeah, because it was like, oh my goodness, you're 30 years old, you're just having and she said, you would have been crazy if I would have had you when I was young because I was crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she said, you're stable and sane now because when I had you, mm -hmm. I had settled down and found myself. And so I heard that growing up my whole life. So I thought, well, the best thing you can do for your children and your family is to be safe mm -hmm. and to be stable. And then I saw progressively over the years, particularly, well, I've seen men and women mm -hmm. who get married young. We have dreams together. Oh. Having gone later. having gone nowhere, done nothing, we have dreams together. And then life kicks in. Destiny kicks in. Purpose wakes up. And you realize you are two of the most different people than you were mm -hmm. when you met each other and when you got married. And so there's all this friction in the marriage and many times divorce, mm -hmm. sometimes just separation, separation right? Infidelity, anger, uh, abuse, all kinds of things happen because – who you were when you got married was never who you were ultimately called to be. And that's a good statement. And I thought, oh, if you know what? I will be happy and be single than be in that. And so to be locked into who God called me to be, knowing this Apostle Ashley, mm -hmm. first of all, I'm thinking I got here. I mean, it's just the beginning. I told mm -hmm. got my little, little baby shoes on. <laughs> got my little, you know, you just, in the beginning, in the beginning of this, but to have that established in the heavens and the earth, this is my purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And I want to fulfill my purpose, and I want to do it, and I want to all the things that God put in my heart to do, and even some things I'm sure I've created on my own. Mm -hmm. I want to make that happen and not have this whole other self-inflicted warfare at this point. Mm -hmm. It'd be eyes wide open. 
I mean, goodness, we, we are exposed to too much of the truth mm-hmm. to um, not be resolved by that. I, I think the uh, overall seeing the, the push to get married, that desire, even when those things come to the surface, because they do. I mean, I'm a well, person. Well, the embedding in yeah. by society, culture, yeah. movies, schools, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Everything in life is embedded in you to make you abandon you for, yes. for culture's ideal. All the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. And somebody said to me something about being single and getting older, and I just took their little hand. I said, honey, there are worse things in life than being single. Mm-hmm. I promise you. Like being in an abusive marriage, that's worse. Marrying somebody who can't even tell you they love you. Mm-mm. Or they don't know why. They, there's, there are a whole lot of things. Or you don't know who they're bringing home. Or who they're going off to see mm-hmm. when they're not seeing you. And uh, <coughs> finding out you married the wrong person altogether. Completely uh, reproductively incompatible. Mm-hmm. How many times have we seen that? A lot. You just had to marry him, had to marry him, had to marry this person, had to be this person, can't reproduce naturally, biologically, mm-hmm. to save your lives. And so there are many reasons that God tells you to wait, if that's what he tells you. I know some people who got married young, they're still together, they're with the person they should be with, all the way around. But even they will say, yeah, but doing it young was a hard way. Doing it soon, ooh, I I would have to think about that, having Mm -hmm. to do it again. Most of my friends that I know are very honest about that. You know, at this point, you can be because you've grown up and you've done it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and so now... It's like, to me, I'm just getting started in purpose, really, just getting started in destiny, what God has called me to do. And uh, I tell people, that I kind of like being footloose and fancy free. Mm-hmm. Point. Just running, traveling, spending my money the way I want to, saving my money the way I want to, living with earth the way I want to. <laughs> She's roughing it down. She's really roughing it down. me, I'm struggling. She's laying it down for I'm the Lord. I'm for the king. You know, but you know, um, she makes it sound a lot more flighty than you think. She has shown to me from the time she was in college. Uh, I remember when we first moved to, to Tulsa the first year. The Christmas, it was so pitiful for me and my daughter. We didn't even get out of bed and whatever. We didn't think about it because we just thought, oh, God, what have we done to ourselves? She was in college, so she at least had a hint. Um, and then she met Ashley in college, and they struck up a good friendship. And so this is 2000, and this woman had We been, were inseparable. We were inseparable to the point where when we weren't together, mm-hmm. people were like, what's the other one? Uh, there you go. And so, but I remember the first thing she did to let me know that she was definitely given to me. So she's there, and we're not doing Christmas. You're not doing Christmas? For anybody who doesn't know, Ashley, she lives for Christmas. And if I'm not going home for Christmas, oh, we're doing it. We're going to do Christmas. So she wasn't going home, and I was doing it. She took a little bit of money, bought me this tree, decorated our house. She just had a little bit of change from whatever. And I remember we were so depressed that it was stunning. And I remember thinking, God, this is my girl. And he said to me, this one will come by your side and never leave you. And I'll tell you something. It was years. And her family, her mom was so amazing. She said, well, I brought her as far as I could take her. Now it's time for you to take her throughout mm-hmm. her destiny. Mom is here with us today. We love her dearly. But the point is she was that one who always took initiative. She always knew when I took a blow, if I told her or not. 
and, and she was really, and, and a fighter, has been a fighter from day one. I knew she was an apostle from that moment. I said, oh, yeah, you tough, no girl. That's your sure enough. Mm. Because at that time, she was this big. <clears throat> now she's this big. But anyway, <laughs> but she has every, every class, every training. She never fought. And when we fought, we could work it through. We could make it happen. But she has labored long and hard, digging in the books, digging, doing the classes, never miss a training with me. You know, never. I don't care if, if it was a sponsor training, if it was we were on the phone. Whenever my matchup kicked on, she was like, okay, I'm ready. And she never. She would say, are you there? I'm like, I'm writing. I'm so I did a lot of person because she made herself available. Some people, some of you all, you will never be great because you're never available. You're never accessible. Mm-hmm. You're always running on your own steam, which means you're always doing this thing introvertedly, mm. you know? And then some of you are with naturals who just waste your time. Wow. You know, you just keep hearing their stories and their testimonies, et cetera. I hashed a lot of my work through her. So even though she makes it sound a little bit light, she has been a, she's a heavyweight because she, she made it a business to be with me. If anybody did it the way the apostles did it, it was her. Mm. Because she stayed with me day and night, well, obviously you hear her say she's there. And because she put her life down for me, it was very easy for me to cover hers because she laid her life down for me. And literally, because she's had boyfriends, because they come to me. Well, I think she's my wife. I'm thinking, I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> she's not your wife, no, because I know the husband that God has for her. I've seen him. I, I told her, I can describe them. All my girls, I can, just, I can describe their husband and what they do for a living and how they are. But I don't think I have anybody, you know, kind of like, I always tell her, I say, she's kind of like my John, because she never leaves me. I don't care what, I, I wish, if I'm on the boat and I leave to go to the bathroom and she doesn't realize I'm gone, when she does, she's coming around that corner and checking me out or where's up the price and those kinds of things. But if that was all, I'd be happy. But, but she made it a point to learn what I teach to know what I know and what she doesn't know, she's still digging. We, we can listen to her, she? She's still digging. Because <laughs> she knows I've written so many books. So many <laughs> you know? But she fought for it, and that's my point. See, there are, there are a lot of um, non-academic, what we call that effective domain, that proves to God that you should be there. What you do with your heart in the matter. When, you have, when, when you're in this pressure, what is it that your heart does? What do you do with your heart? Are you secretly grumbling? Are you secretly fussing and fuming? Are you doing avoiding it at all costs? Are you trying to, I just want to get what I think I need? See, that's not it. Those apostles stayed with Jesus to get the fullness of Jesus. Yes. Peter said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. He didn't even think about apostleship. He was just trying to figure out eternal life. And you talk about... You know, that's a really big move. So I say that because I need some of you all who are just struggling with this, I don't know what or how, you have to understand that if you're not ready to give your all to apostleship, because apostleship and the prophetic requires you. Hear me. I got that. Mm-hmm. Now, just let me hit something. Get it off. All right. Because those are the two mantles that start out with God directly. Directly which means they have got to be with him. One of the teachings that we have um, is about why the apostles can't have their own ministry. Oh, yes. And so you have a lot of it. And, and, and those little apostles out there will tell you, God tell you that. You may found it. You file the papers with the state. You know, you got your 501, 3 and wonderful. 
God does not care. When you work for a king, you don't have a side business. And apostleship is direct service to the king. So you don't have a side business. You have a commission. You have a charter. You have an agency. But, and, and, and those are going down. That, that true apostle, you have, you work for a king. Kings don't have you out there doing this. Every king owns everything. Everything. <laughs> kings own everything in the realm. <clears throat> and when you work for the throne, the king directly, that's what she's talking about. He said, I don't need that. So a lot of y'all ministries, y'all got mad because God kept closing them down. He said, because I don't need them. That's your side business. I don't need your side business. Prophets, God start cutting it down. And if he's not closing you down, then you're not working close to him. You're working for the king, duh, and not the king. And we have to begin to differentiate those who work for the king versus those who work for the king, duh. Those who are working with the sovereign versus those who are working and serving the population or the or the civility. So some of the some of you all are civilian prophets. You work for the whatever. If you're apostolic, you don't work for the throne. You work for the civilian. You work for citizens. See, people should start making those delineations because that's when you understand. Because when you work for the king, you get up every day with your little clipboard talking about what's on for today. Most high. Now I got my strat- I got my strategic plan. I've got my I, I mean I got my tactical maneuvers. I've got my own methods. I've got my metrics. God cares nothing about that when you are in the first and second office. He doesn't care. He doesn't care because in his mind you're rivaling and siphoning off the treasury of the sovereign. Now, I have no idea why we're here today, but God told me on the way here, I'm going to say something, so be with me. <laughs> so when I started talking to them, that's why you're like, whatever. And, the, and my apostles, those that have been commissioned, the first thing they realized is God started financing the commission. Yes. See, a lot of you all, you're in a ministry. That's why you don't have any money. Because when he, <laughs> because when he called you up to the higher places, I think my prophet ought to be around the corner sometime. But anyway, when he calls you up to a higher place, you have got to know that you have everything has to die. We have heard so many sermons about, about um, Elisha having to slaughter everything. But the reason being, Elisha was head of the family business. He couldn't have a side business. He was getting ready to be drawn into the direct service of the kids. So he couldn't bring his father's business with him because that would have been considered a conflict of interest at the least. My, my, and rivalry my. of that. So some of you all, God has told you to close those churches down and find the apostle that he has ordained to commission you, and you're still holding on. Who's going to pay my bills? They're not going to pay now. That's why you got a problem. <laughs> so you're just not going to get your bills paid, and you're not going to have the people, uh, those five people going to go someplace else and be nourished and nurtured in Christ. Because you know that's what God will do. <laughs> so we have a class calling called the King's Appendage. <sighs> because you should understand that. Somebody has to help you understand why is it. I started all of these churches. I know, and nothing happened. I started, I've got five businesses. Nothing happened. I've hung out ten shingles. Nothing happened. Because you are, if you're called to be an apostle, God considers that a side business. He expects you to bring it under the throne and bring it in the realm. 
So you always have just enough to meet your needs. You'll do some coins, nickel coins and pennies. But when you are an apostle or prophet, that is what it is. And so I had to tell them, I said, oh, no, we took y'all better to slaughter what you, what you did. God can't use it. Because you're, you're, you're rival. You're, you're, again, you're, you're, you're working his public without his permission, without his wisdom. Mm. And you're plundering his, his treasury, but not to his interest. You don't bring anything back. Well, how do I know if what I'm doing for God now, if everything you do in your little side business, nobody knows about your calling, nobody knows about God, you're not bringing people home, you're not bringing people, because I'll tell you in a minute, when you're not bringing stuff, things home to my commission, I'm like, I'm sorry, right. uh, hallelujah. Wow. But I owe you nothing. Because when God is pleased, he pays for what he wants. He meets every single need when you're fulfilling his purpose. And when you do so correctly, meaning you've made yourself ready and apt to fulfill it. Oh, Thank you. She said, I want to hear it again. I can't even help myself. Go ahead, hear it twice. So, you, you know, because I hear people talk about I'm an apostle and whatever, but you are, you have all this side stuff on the, on the thing because you are really a bishop. A lot of apostles, these people claiming to be apostles are bishops. Mm. They're bishops with an apostle's title. But when you are in God's service, you have got to get to a place as an apostle that you understand everything about your individuality, everything about your independence dies. He calls the shot because you're brought into the realm. You're brought into the palace. You're brought into the palace court. Mm-hmm. And that's your station. You're stationed there. Did we not have that claim? Yes. Honey, I thought they were going to die. Oh, no, my goodness. When she asked about feedback, I think uh, the response was to that one. So uh, did she say? And then we went to our scriptures author and mantles book. Mm-hmm. It was also writing. Apostles, there are two types of apostles, two, two, three actually. The first one is that thronal apostle. You're brought into the realm, you're brought into the court, you're up in the privy chambers, you're up in the chambers, you're up in the quiet, you're there firsthand. That's a unique apostle, and there are not a lot of people that God's going to let get close to him because he's like anybody else. I let you hear too many of my secrets, you'll be dangerous to me. And then we have the second kind is the apostle to the churches. And you are made so by the apostles who are at the throne. And you're sent to cover the ecclesia. And then you have the apostolic leader. And those are the ones that attend to either apostles. They typically are prophets. And that apostolic leader is just that. You are a support. God, you still, God's still running through that that he trusts, who, who has his ear, and who gives them his ear. So you need to recognize we've done this thing all wrong. I told you before, it's not about fathering, not about mothering, sistering, brothering, catering. It's not about that. Come on over, prophet. We want to hear a prophet's point of view to all that we share. So you're out there. And you're, you're, because you're operating on the evangelical, fundamental, traditional paradigm, which is all about soul winning and not sovereign servant. Oh, my. See, apostles are about sovereign servant. We take care of the king. We cover the king. 
We serve the king. We serve at the behest of the king. We serve at the good pleasure of the king. We, and on and on and on. Can I just say, did I just say? You did. So if the king is not in your, in your whole script, if it's not in your job description, if it's not in your passion or your purview, then you need to recognize that you are an apostle of the second grade, second class, and you are there to take care of the churches. And then if, if you're neither of that, then that next group is the consul, and those are your marketplace apostles. Because no matter where you're stationed in the flesh, it's where you're stationed in the spirit that Jesus is dealing with. Because you can be stationed in the marketplace in the, spirit, in the flesh, and Jesus has you stationed in the church in the spirit. That's good. That's good. We have a prophet. You know, I like to bring, I believe prophets, uh, apostles and prophets are collaborate <laughs> and companion and partner. I believe it, and I, I, I tell my prophets every day, oh, no, y'all going to serve together. We're going to do this thing as a team. Oh, no, we're not going to have you all prophesying something the apostle hasn't gotten, and we're not going to have the apostle implementing something that you didn't see. How about that? So give us some feedback on what you've had. I know you've got a lot of blue today, so this is on you, girl. Okay. There was some blue I didn't get to. Oh, no, no, both are Yes, you talked about earlier having the spirit of marriage means that you've met the criteria for being. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good uh, from earlier. Uh, you also said that, oh, okay, so when you marry and you are intimate, you exchange spirits and deities with your non-Christian spouse or your Christian mm-hmm. spouse. Yeah. Um, and we've seen a lot of that, especially in entertainment business now that it's polarizing Christian men mm-hmm. going outside of the Christian camp and marrying non-Christian, non-Christian women. women to bring other demos um, and, and into we, their and, bodies. Yes, and, and ultimately the danger of it is redefining what we're calling Christianity. So essentially we're calling these women Christian women uh, because they say, well, I love God, you know, um, but they're not godly women, you know. So but you can't become Christian that. by sex. See, they think they can sexize Christianity Ooh, and Christianize their sex, Jesus. their sexuality. You cannot yeah. become a Christian by sex. Wow. So you are yeah. always, always an alien in the midst of Christ's body. Hmm. Those are alien spirits. Those are alien women. Well, the Bible calls them that. Did God say that? He calls you an alien because he said, I've never known you. Yeah. You didn't take time to come by me. And when they get in real Christian environments, they oh, yeah. know it. They know it. It's evident, you know. Mm-hmm. They hate it. Oh, yeah. I just, I love that you spoke to that today because we're seeing more and more of that happen. High-profile, quote-unquote, Christian men marrying women in human industry who have an affiliation with Christianity but are not Christian. They don't have an affiliation. They're looking for a husband that they think not going to cheat on them. That's a self-serving marriage. That marriage is not about doing any good for anybody but that woman. You know, but when you read the Bible, when you read what the prophets wrote, God would tell them at some specific time if they weren't linked to him in some remote way, like the Moabites were linked linked to Christ, and they still didn't do right. But God would tell them to kill everybody and don't you touch none of their women because their women are packing packing those pagan deities, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to infect my future seed. That's what he talked about. I just read it. He said that he would seek a godly seed. He said, why? Well, you know, people can't get saved today. But no, they can't be saved, but they're susceptible. Understand that Abraham wasn't saved, but he produced a race of susceptible people who would be very, very affine, very uh, amenable or drawn to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. 
See, Abraham's faith is not Christian faith. Abraham's faith is Godhead's faith. So they can talk to you. I want to sit down and talk to them. Talk to me. But so we're going to talk about this. No, this is all about the flesh. And then you're going to turn around there and bring this little, this, this little half, half dress, half clad, skinny little something up in the body of Christ for them to pilfer the blessings of the righteous. That's right. Because these women are plunderers. Yes. Because if they're not going to, and it's men too. I don't think it's just women. I think it's men and women. But I want to be honest with you. When you are, God calls you an alien. And he says, I never knew you. And you're marrying women that Christ never knew. And you're marrying them because you know them sexually, even though Christ never knew them redemptively. Hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're welcome. Um, okay. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, I wanted to go back. Uh, maybe this is a private side of me, but preach on angels have been dispatched to judge these unclean marriages, same-sex engagements, promiscuity. We talked about the sores in the mouth. Uh, yeah. Don't y'all think we should just go back to that? Yeah. Just go back to the angels being dispatched? Well, in order for God to cleanse his body, to go after the adversary, and he's got to go after the adversary in ways that people Understand, because God is dealing with bodily functions more in the church than he's dealing with a dilapa, uh, collapsing building. Because oh, he did both. I mean, think about it. Baal Peor. And then he talked about these people joining with other gods and sores breaking out on them. This is in Revelation. Sores are breaking out on you. Boils are breaking out. This is Bible. We're in the Bible's era, which is always every area of man. But he's talking about that. That, that you're going to what? Mix with these other deities. See, you all think that it's all about God wanting you not to have any fun. Oh, come on. Yes, yes. But God has a world that predates this world, and it is populated with citizens of his kind. And in that world, he found a cherub that was anointed to guard him, cure for him, take care of his people, protect him, who didn't like him. So a lot of you all are talking about you love God, but you don't like him. You don't like his ways, you don't like his truth, and you don't like his life, which means you don't like Jesus. Because he said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. So God, in this, in this world, he has seen every contamination of rebellion that's possible. He's seen it, he's logged it, he's named it, he's categorized it, and then he did something very, very special. He assigned it. And he assigned it to creature functions, behaviors, attitudes, conduct, deeds, and etc. So these God, because you think God is a long ranger, you can't imagine that God has an, a, a peacekeeping force, a, a, an enforcement team. He has a task force to see to his righteousness. You can't imagine it. But he said he has an innumerable company of angels. So when we look at... Um, with Ahab, God's kicked off with Ahab, kicked off with Ahab. And they're having this great big meeting in heaven. We don't want to talk about Jeroboam. Let's go to Ahab. And in this meeting, I want to say it's First, uh, first Kings 19, God is calling for bigs because he needs an assassin to take out Ahab. So you don't read your Bible, so you don't think it's interesting. You're right. So he said, he did, he's calling for bigs. He said, who will go and, and uh, what did he say? 
uh, kill Ahab, then I can get him off my planet. Eventually, essentially, that's what he said. I want him off my planet. His time of service is up. He's completed all of the deceptions I've assigned to him. Okay, he's empowered his wife to be destructive just long enough. He says, so who's going to do it? And and Pastor says, well, one said, I'll do this. One said, I'll do that. And they went on. And each one was bidding for the job, coming up with the tactics or methodology for taking this man out. This is almighty God. So, and don't, don't write me talking about God is love because your church taught you God is love because the kingdom tells you God is just. So when you get over in your kingdom classes and they talk about the right Jesus, you're going to find out God's got to keep his planet going, and he has to keep himself on top. And whatever that means to him, that is righteousness, and that is truth. So he goes, and so they, one, one spirit says this, another spirit says that, because he's always using his creaturehood. And another spirit says it. And this is a, to me, I always like to teach this because it's, it's voice so interesting. Spirit says, I'll go. Now, there is a roar, it says, an innumerable crowd of angels right. are around him. Right. And they're all yelling, me, 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 I got it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do this. I'll give him some poison. I'll give him some, okay? Got all of this going on. His one calm voice says, I'll do it. He breaks through the roar. Why? Because he's a spirit of truth. He is the right one. And so God said, oh, really? How are you going to do it? He said, I'll be a lion spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. Hold on. So I'm stunned. I'm like, okay. He said, yep, you're the one. Go and do it. Now, God authorized Ahab to be taken out by lion prophets. But the prophet told the truth. The lion angel, the lion spirit told the truth. And it was the spirit of truth that caught God's ear. Now, only God knew he's the one who had been doing it. He, this lion spirit had deceived, and these lion prophets had deceived. Uh, uh, let me reverse that. The lion spirit had deceived Ahab's prophet into getting him to a place that his life was in peril. He is so confident that he is right. They have so built him up with motivational talk and uplifting things. He is confident that his prophets are hearing from Israel's God instead of his. So he's now at a place where their prophecies have failed, but he doesn't know that he has just come to the end of his line. So the lion spirit says, I'm going to go out. Don't think devils don't have to come to God's meeting. Come on. (laughs) When God calls a all-creature meeting, every creature has to show up. All right? This is the kingdom meeting. The king has called us all in, like governments do with their little agents. And so the spirit goes out, and even though God is a just God, he gives him him two prophets to tell him the truth, that he doesn't want to hear them because his lying prophets have worked such false wonders that he is... He has seen success He is in his mind, but he is convinced that they are his prophets because they agree with what he wants. 
but you all know the end of the story. So the true prophet is like, I'm telling you, God's hot with you. He's not with your nation. You're going to die. The lying prophets are like, no, 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 we know better. Isn't it, aren't there more of us than them? Look at that. God wouldn't disappoint you. God wouldn't give you a negative word. God wouldn't give you a prophecy that was disappointed. God wouldn't give you an ugly death. Uh-uh. See, that's the doctrine we hear to death. And God has used that lying spirit a whole lot since then to take out them. So no matter how much, and usually the truth seems ridiculous to the empire of unbelief and the institution of the lie. The truth seems ridiculous. God ain't going to get rid of you as king. I mean, who else is going to be a king? I mean, look at all that you've done. And so you start looking at the flesh and filtering your prophecy and affirming it's good or bad by the flesh, by the number of people that's following, by the governor, the, the governmental folks who are backing you, by the money that's being given. And you believe that. And God lets you believe it because you have signed on for his destruction. Okay. You talked about wisdom. Um, I see. I want to make sure that I wrote this right. You talk about how we've lost our wisdom, guardianship essentially. Mm-hmm. That wisdom is the defense of that's something that's ruling why we have no parents. You know, um, what do you feel like? Because I know, obviously, with the, with the rise of opposite this way, that that's going to be addressing that. But what, are, what is going to be one of the ways that we know that that comes back? Well, we can see it now in PSAs that we didn't see five years ago, mm-hmm. public service announcement. Mm-hmm. We, can see, we can see them now beginning to fight back on drug addiction and fight back on intoxication mm-hmm. and all of those things. Yeah. You're starting to see because so wisdom is coming. Because sobriety is the, it literally, it is the uh, pathway or the, the red carpet to wisdom. Sobriety, the, the people are sick of the crazy. And no matter how much the enemy keeps pushing the crazy, he's losing his ground. Yeah. You can see he's losing his ground. People are sick of your movies. These little dark, dank, grizzly movies. Folks are tired of them. But they don't have to. You understand, devils are in the seat of power. They have nothing else. But God hasn't given them wisdom. He's given them doom and destruction. Mm-hmm. So that's all they can teach you is doom and destruction. When you start seeing more and more wisdom come up, as more and more people begin to celebrate life and life, then you're going to know we're pushing forward. But a lot of it, the language hasn't come out. The alternative thinking hasn't come out. The options haven't come out yet. That's why we're at the early stages of this hard reset. And we're glad. Okay. Uh, we cannot love God without love? No. Okay. Well, human love. I love it. Elaborate. Love to do that. <laughs> How are you, you going to help God? Human love fails humanity. That's why we have parents abusing kids, mm-hmm. parents indifferent to kids, husbands and wives cheating on each other, uh, abusing each other. That's human love. And human love is so frail, it can take no stress. Even when people are saying, well, you know, I'm not saved and I still love my spouse. Yeah, but you know what? It's a proof of point love. It's I need to love. It's, I, it's addictive and often idolatrous because some spirit is keeping your love together. Mm-hmm. So it's what you all believe. 
no matter what it is. And so the human love cannot meet God's love because human love is corrupted by a fusion of hatred and love together. Wow. So that's why you can get mad. We, we, for example, we say we love you so much we can get mad and mad enough to kill each other. You're because there's always that dark, doom, destructive corruption. God's love says that my love is going to love you even when I send you to hell. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love you while I look down and say, boy, you should have followed. You should have believed me. You see, you don't just go to hell on God's love. You go to hell on not believing. Unbelief. That's what hell is made up for, unbelievers. I don't believe God. You can say, I believe in God. You can say that, but you don't believe that God's going to send unbelievers to hell. See, that's the problem. Mm. You don't believe mm. that he's going to send liars to hell. I mean, come on, little white lie. You know, these color-coded lies we have. I mean, come on. You can't tell people the whole truth. You don't have to tell people the whole truth. But they, if, you, if you have an option between lying and shut up, shut up. You get one more, and then we're going to ask this one. So, did you have anything? You were so caught up, you don't know. Are you caught up, girl? I got some more. Okay, she got notes, and you may have a couple too. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, last one. Uh, it's hard to pick, okay? So I, I have more than one. I'm just gonna pick one. Okay. She's cooperating. I am. You okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you talked about <laughs> make sure your pastor is Jesus's pastor. Some people are being pastored by people who are not Jesus's pastor. <laughs> I'm a ship a little bit. I, 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 I said too. Check that. We can switch it off. Yeah. You understand that. No, we don't understand. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead. In America and probably many countries, you stand up and say God calls you the pastor and people flock to you. Now, you, or either you can say, I'm a pastor. I'm going to start a church. But churches that start on Jesus Christ start on some solid ground. First of all, they start on his truth and not on your liberties. They start on his righteousness and not your freedoms. They start on his testimony and not your demands or desires. So Jesus' pastors do not free you to act like his enemy. And the Bible says every man walks in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever. You will know whether your pastor Jesus is pastor by the walk they lay out for you. They understand you're only human, so they understand your infidelities and your adulteries and your promiscuities. Because after all, this is human, not Jesus' pastor. Jesus' pastor said you were born human and you were born again as an offspring of the Godhead, which means the same power that works in Jesus that kept him from sinning oh, is wow. working in you. So when you start thinking about your pastor and you go to, this is how you know you're under the wrong pastor. He understands me. He understands me just the way I am. He doesn't require me to change. She tells me I'm okay to look like this. Uh Uh-uh. That's not a Jesus pastor. And they have to give an account to why they let you self-corrupt under their authority. So you go there, and your pastor keeps okay in your destruction of your flesh, your destruction of the truth, your your 
deterioration of righteousness, your debilitation of God's holiness, you go there and you need to know that's not Jesus' pastor. That's somebody's pastoring in Jesus' name. Because, hmm. see, it's like the symbol on the building says Jesus, but on the inside, it's Osiris on the inside, it's Apollos on the inside, it's Ishtar on the inside, it's Baphomet. See, on the inside, it's another God. But they're drawing you in because they too are evangelists, and well, not even evangelists, because I think they are. I think they're malevolent, because malevolent means that we're gonna bring you into darkness. Darkness is doing it, so they're bringing you in. There's nothing good about their news, and so they are de-evangelizers because you're following them, and you're following them because you're happy with them, letting you be comfortable being yourself, not having to change. Because if you have to change, that's religious. Hmm. Ah, okay. If you can't be yourself, that's legalistic. Mm-hmm. And all of those phrases are in the Bible. So there are a lot of pastors, and these sweet people, sweet people who don't like the way Jesus does business, <laughs> sweet people who don't like his truth, don't like his life. We know We, I mean, we all sit down. They come to pastors meetings like us, everything. But they go back with the mandate and the message of their God. It won't take all of that. Jesus is not worth that. God is love, and you can exploit that love and abuse it any way you want to because God is love, and he got to suck it up, and he can't do anything about it. Hmm. Those are non-Jesus pastors. Because Paul said that. Paul said, but Peter, first of all, Peter said, I stir you up to good work. Add to your virtue, and he runs, <clears throat> runs down this list. Paul turns around and says, these are the apostles. Paul turns around and says about how holy God is. All of the apostles are going to tell you about God's holiness and that he hates it when you, when you breach his holiness. Hates it. They're all going to tell you about it. But in your mind, as long as it's wide scale, as long as everybody is doing it or the majority is doing it, because we think God's a Democrat, as long as the majority is doing it, then it's okay. And you need to understand God's not a Democrat. He's not a majority God. He's a remnant God. God is not an inclusionist. He's an exclusivist. And he is exclusive because he knows that the end of your faith, the end of your salvation is residence with him. And he may not want you in his residence. He may not want you as part of his citizenship. So we have to do, but it's apostles supposed to tell you that, not tell you that it's okay and God's going to clean it up. God is not your handyman. He's not your handyman. He's not your stepping fetch, running get. God is the Almighty who has had a planet, had spirits, had creatures longer than uh, humans, longer than the Earth's been around. I mean, we even say the galaxies are older than the Earth, and the constellations are older. And we go through. Why do you think we say that? Because they know that what started them started everything. So God is not. You can walk around and say, "Okay, oh, well, I just don't think God is going to punish me for wearing jeans." God doesn't have to punish you for wearing jeans. The God you serve is corrupting you, and that is punishment enough. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. So your choices are corrupting you, and that corruption is punishing you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How are we doing? Uh, we have a few more minutes. I think 
statement of the hour also is your talent took you where your soul couldn't take you. Mm. You like that one? Yeah. yeah. What you like? Um, but even tying back <laughs> to what we talked about earlier, how you wonder why you get so far and then you just collapse. You just, well, you just can't, you know, break through a level. You can't take it to the next level. You're looking at other people who are doing the same thing you are sometimes giving less to it than you are and they're more successful and you don't understand why but i think that is very interesting that your soul can't keep you at that level and a lot of times we're asking for a level of success that we can't handle no no and that will corrupt us mm-hmm. that but because great when you look at successful um when god thinks about success and when we think about success success to the world is an attainment is an arrival mm-hmm. it's an achievement but success to God is an institution that has been vetting and validating his creation since before time began. So in order for you to take the weight or pass their measures, pass their criteria, pass their validating, or vet, in order for you to do that, your soul has got to be of a particular composition, a particular context, and then able to handle and operate over and over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, without deteriorating. A successful plane, car, automobile is successful because pressure doesn't crack it. Yes. Because repetition doesn't weaken it. Mm-hmm. Because demand and because weight does not destroy it. And if you can keep that in your mind, you have to ask yourself, at what point does my soul crack? At what point do I always break down? At what point do I always cut and flee? What point? Because mm. that is mm. the limit of your success. Mm. So when I think about, when I talk to them, and I'll say it to our assessment even says it, three out of four times yes. you're going to do so-and-so, but on that fifth time, you're out. You either can't deliver, you can't sustain, you're angry, you're fussing, you're leaving, you're fumbling, you're coming up with excuses so that people won't know that you're floundering. But success has rules and protocols. And if it lets you in its ranks, it's going to require you to live up to its protocol or it's going to prove that you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't be there for a long time. That's why God works with longevity. You notice God waits for folk get old. Why? Because of the wisdom which you have to shed as a young person, the things you have to discover about yourself. So he waits. Satan uses kids and babies because he doesn't have a lot of time. But God said, I'm ancient of faith. I'm eternal. I can wait for the precious fruit of the earth. I can wait for the, the, the winter harvest or the other fruit, the mature fruit. I can wait. But on the other side, the world has fallen in love with immature fruit, mm-hmm. half-grown apples, half-ripe this, never going to ripe that, rotten, full of worms this. See, that's what the world gives you because it's in a hurry to show you a picture. It's always image-bound hmm. and not substance. See, God's going to give you substance because why? See, the world doesn't care about you falling in love with the image because that's all it can deliver. Bottom line is, though, you live your life disappointed. God is wants to make sure you're not disappointed in the end. 
So he lets you face all of those disappointing things, those undeliverables and all of that kind of stuff. He lets you do that early. And so why? So you'll have wisdom to make the to discern both good and evil. And so he's always looking for you to have the wisdom to defend yourself and defend your hope and defend your faith and to defend your joy and your expectations so you can defend yourself from what you actually hear. So God wants you to defend yourself from a false reward. And that takes failing, hitting the wall, getting up again, being embarrassed, being humiliated, going to the shed, couple times. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that takes a lot for your, your own instincts to begin to protect you from false rewards, from false harvest, from fleeting, um, fleeting, uh, what do you want to call it? Pros- uh, prosperity. That's what I want. Fleeting prosperity. See, he wants to protect you from it. So what does he do? While you're making all your useful mistakes, He's also have a group of people who are making the same mistakes, but for different reasons. Right. To be true. You know, there was a time, Father, I used to say we had a true cut. Mm-hmm. We had a true end. Mm-hmm. We didn't say good or bad. We didn't say right or wrong. We said true. Mm-hmm. What we went after is what we got. Mm-hmm. And so God wants you to understand that truth is not just something you hear and agree with in your mind. Truth is also a byproduct of God's righteousness. Doing it the right way brings you into truth. Doing it man's way brings you into a veneer of truth. So you look at your stars, look at them. They can't put enough grease on. They can't put enough bronze on. They can't put enough makeup on. They got to have all of these kind of lights. Why? Because they're just image. No substance. You're not getting anything from them. And you're satisfied with no substance. Uh, you just, you're not getting anything from them. You're not getting other than uh, an opportunity to uh, imitate. But substance is at the end because only those with wisdom deserve substance. And this is not just Christianity. It can be anybody because there are universal laws of the planet, and we're all in it, that we have got to pay attention to. So, so your way, and in the church, you were all taught to go out and get your harvest and get your, you were all prodigal yeah, children. Yeah, you yeah. did what the prodigal son did, and you had prodigal son sermon hmm. that said one thing but motivated another. Hmm. Did I say that? Okay. So as we begin to wrap up, because we only have a couple of minutes we got over there, it's uh, offering time, seed sowing time. Mm-hmm. So you can sow a seed if this message blessed you. You can sow a seed and Prophet Aziz is going to yeah. tell you how to do that. All right, so for Cash App users, you're going to need to handle Dr. Paul Price at dollar sign. If you're going to sew on PayPal, paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price will get you there as well to sew a CD at PayPal for our And then if you're going to do text to give, and you're going to sew at 918-608-1378, 918-608-1378, you're just going to text the amount, and then uh, a message will pop back up to you to show you how to complete your gift. So again, Cash App users, um, dollar sign Dr. Paul Price is her handle there, no spaces. And then paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price will allow you to give a gift that way as well. Or text give 918-608-1378. You know this blessed you today? You know it blessed you. You need to go ahead and show that seed. That's how you can give back and make sure that she's on again next Thursday. But not just here, but that we're taking a seat at the table of the world by being able to produce
television programs and more programs like the one that you're listening to right now. So you're sewing into an even bigger vision than what you're seeing right now. Amen. Well, I'm going to see you Sunday. First of all, I'm going to thank you, Apostle Sally, for joining us. Thank you. Good, good. It was great. Um, those of you who um, want to pass this on, please hit share, 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 and then share again. Wake up tomorrow and hit share, share, share some more. Also, I need you to do me a big favor before we go. Would you hit the, everybody on the count of three, hit the like button. One, two, three, boom. On your page. On my on your page, page, my not Facebook page. Huh? Not just this post, your page. Yes, on, on the page, page first. Go to the page where, you, where it opens up, and there you see it says Apostle Paul. Hit like. Like me. Some of you all write me all of these questions, and you haven't liked me. I need you to like me. So, again, hit it on my page, Facebook page, Apostle Paula Price. Subscribe to me on YouTube because I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing, you get a heads up on it, and you are the first ones to get it. See you Sunday, 8 a.m. Does anybody know I got it right? You got it. I got it right. 8 a.m. for Sunday School with Prophet Adia and 10 a.m. with me with the Congregation of the Mighty where God stands. Have a great weekend. See you next week. Oh, Sunday. What? Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> See you Sunday.